the Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC Jacksonville Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night It's a dark night Dark night It's a dark night Hey yo, what's up everybody? Dan Tom here, host of the Protect Your Neck podcast. Might see me from MMA Junkie or work on the Action Network. But on this year program, the Protect Your Neck podcast, where we break down high-level MMA, that's what we're going to do here today tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's for the fight, recording it Thursday night here. Um, as it's playing in my ear. That's nice. Okay, there we go. Amateur hour, of course, as per usual. Um, thank you guys for joining. Apologies for the little bit of a later start and uh, not being around last week. Still getting familiars piling it, even though I don't deserve it. What's going on? Mark, Mark Fellows. Mark the fucking Fellows. He says, Dan the fucking man, let's go. Uh, Australia, can I come? Can I come? Let's go there. I'll gladly go there. Uh, it's going to be in Jacksonville, of course, the card we're breaking down. UFC on ABC5. Um, if you're listening in the future, 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 you guys can check the timestamps, whether it's uh, on YouTube, uh, your podcast platforms like Apple, five-star ratings and reviews. Definitely appreciative. Uh, you guys have really been answering the call on that, and I'm going to do another round, not today, of uh, reading off the five-star ratings and reviews, as well as the Amazon reads. Of course, MixedMarshallAnalyst.com supports this here free program. Been running free for over half a decade, continuing to doing so. Um, and I only remind you guys of that because, you know, when I got to take uh, breaks like next, like last week off or here and there, which is still really rare in this long run, you know. got to remind myself, like, hey, Dan, nobody, nobody's paying you to be here. You're doing this on your own dime, in fact, going out of pocket. And uh, while I've been gone, we actually... Hopefully we put some more ducats in your pocket because we uh, had a nice bounce back last week. Not fully back. I mean, the year's not over. Even if I was somehow having the opposite luck, you know me. I'd still be like, you know, uh, careful and I wouldn't be riding too high. Uh, you got to take it day by day. But, yeah, it was a good week we're coming off of. We'll recap kind of do a speed recap. I know I say that. I know I say that. We'll do a speed recap. And those of you that are live, unfortunately, are stuck with me. So apologies for that. Um, but, again, this is the same format that I've been doing forever, and for what it's worth, I honestly just feel like, uh, you know, uh, cutting through it today and uh, getting through as fast as possible. Got uh, still like three articles to write for the week, two to turn in tonight, and uh, one Minjana, uh, but pretty sure I know what those are, um, and uh, as per usual, I will give that and all the other tidbits I can to you guys. What you want to do with it, you are adults, you can do what you will. So... Shaq says, let's get it. Anyone else ready for some non-Apex fights? You know, Shaq, that's great shout. Thank you for joining us. New new, new face and name there. Um, yeah, like, I, I almost forgot that. I'm so used. I don't know if you guys have that. Where like, it's not that, like, oh, there's a UFC card. Of course there's a UFC card. But it's like, there's always a UFC card. It's always at the Apex. And it's like, oh, crap, we actually have the crowd. And some fighters, perhaps ones that I'm picking... Um, definitely seem to be, you know, uh, seem to like that crowd performance. Um, but, you know, 
Who really knows? That's all speculation city on, on, on my end. We'll try to get to the actual X's and O's. Try to piece together what analysis we can that's predictive. Of course, trying to predict this sport is crazy. Betting on it is even crazier, yet I do it on a public platform. So I'm going to go ahead and do my normal dance. Uh, you guys can, again, take what you will. Fill your cup what you like. Toss out what you don't. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, uh, you should be using a bunch of references. Uh, grateful to be one of them. And I'll try to do my best as poor usual. Mark Fellow says, UFC 293. See you in Sydney, DT. Beers on me. Don't tempt me with a good time, man. Uh, I don't know if I'll be doing much traveling coming up, but we will We will see. Uh, Mark also adds, come on, Dan, you haven't done a speed recap in the history of recorded media. That is very true, my long-winded ass. I will take that one on the chin, my friend. Um, all right, guys, so we're going to do a we, – we actually are going to get into the recap here, just going to make sure we are functioning on the old Twitter sphere. And uh, I'm just going to recap just results, not – you know, we're not going to be talking about um, any ultimate fighter, any uh, – Alleged, alleged McRapins or McPunchins on basketball courts or off the courts. We're not going to be uh, talking about billionaires uh, dingling their dangles out. We're not going to be uh, talking about any of that. So we're going to be talking about fights. Um, hey, there's that uh, mug. All right. Um, if you guys want to get anything in the chat, of course, the Super Chats and all that stuff's turned on. Uh, winning week or not winning week, I don't deserve it. But it is there for those asks how to support the show since um my poor businessman ass again doesn't charge for it doesn't have a patreon or any of the sort but uh, there are ways like you know click throughs on on uh, you know the amazon or uh, um, on it click throughs at mixedmarshallanalyst.com my website sports this year program uh, paypal secure donation link in that as well as at dan tom and may where you can find me uh, on twitter and my link tree in there um, there's that and then yeah we got the uh, monetization here on youtube but again just because it's probably or, Priority. That's not going to be exclusive. So you, uh, I will answer uh, you guys uh, regardless. For the most part, it's all family here. All right. So I missed out on um, UFC 289's recap and giving you guys a preview. Although I did post my picks and plays and had all my normal analysis in my defense, minus the Southpaw report. So ugh, if I wanted to go back and tally those, which I still haven't for the year, um, I'm missing one card. And I even like had everything marked out to do it. I just. It takes, it, take, it, take, it takes time, man, and the time adds up. So apologies on that. Um, but, yeah, for UFC 289, real quick, obviously, that's uh, hit the dust. Happy for my Canadian friends. Uh, I feel like I'm still hearing Mike Malott in, like, every podcast I listen to, which is fine because the guy seems like a great dude. I'm happy for him. Happy for the Canadian fans, uh, media members, and all the like. Uh, get some MMA. And just having their uh, hometown people win, it always feels good, you know. Um, you know I was covering... Um, Bellator, the Lima Lay McFarlane winning, uh, you know, that, that, that first and even second trip, that first trip was real special. Uh, so uh, I, I feel y'all. Um, we went 6-6 six and six overall, which is not great. Um, we went 5-1 uh, six. Yeah, we went five and one on the main card. So it was good on the main card, but it was one of those classic ones where, like, uh, I think the, you know, the analysis is right, but the picks are wrong, and you guys are tired of hearing me saying that. Uh, but, you know, for what it was worth, you know, the, the main fights that I uh, looked to uh, analyze uh, didn't do that badly, but I did do badly was the, uh, not the picks, those, do, you know, again, not, not too bad, but real bad, the bets, of course. Um, we were 1, 2, and 1 in straight plays, 0, oh, and 1 in uh, props, 0, oh, and 4 in round flyers, 1, and 4, which seemed to have been my regular up until last week for round robins, which means 0, oh, and 1 for the long shot parlay. Uh, of course, uh, you know, uh, Took the dog shot. It was a terrible, you know, performance from Aldana. Uh, Nunez uh, retired. Pena made an ass of herself. We we all know these things. Uh, terrible performance. Uh, uh, you know, again, um, 
Co-main event was awesome, of course. Uh, Chucky Olives, that was nice. You know, that, that definitely made it not too bad of a losing night. I'm trying to pull the exact numbrero for you guys here. Da -da -da -da. Minus 1.82 units. Yeah, it would have been much worse uh, without the uh, Chucky Olives win there. Um, just going to scan those results. Yeah, everything's been talked about. Mike Mallott, of course, on the way he was going to win. Ige almost gets the knockout by the same uh, method and the round that I, I would have called. If that would have came through, we would have had a winning night. Uh, but still happy for Ige nonetheless. Great performance nonetheless. Shout out to my guy Fenyo, who you're going to see here on top five uh, South Boss. Uh, it's already in the bank. You guys saw that. Like, where is it, Dan? I know it was weird. Like, I was supposed to give you guys episode 363 last week, and then I wrote down 363 to be top five South Boss, but I'm, like, I'm not even going to have time to edit this thing. If I want to get my deadlines uh, and work done this week, um, been real busy again, both working and and out. Not going to bore you guys with the details. That's trust me, it's been busy. Uh, but yeah, uh, the fuck was I talking about? That's how busy it is. Um, but yeah, uh, shout out to my guy Fenyo. He had an excellent article on the fight site, uh, the fight site.com. Uh, of course, an, a constant shout here for a reason. Um, go check out the uh, Demato Shift references. Uh, my guy Fenyo laid down for the EA Landwehr article. Of course, Barrio Anders, much better than it had any business to be. I had to tip my cap there to uh, McMaynard. Of course, I gave a little bit of a shout. We had a bit of a recap there. Of course, me and Ant did the uh, live uh, watch-alongs. Um, until I get a router, I may pause those for a minute, but uh, I love doing those with Ant. So uh, I, anything I can do with Ant Walker, I'll be doing, especially those. So if those pause, of course... Um, you know, uh, sometimes as they as as they as they do, just because of life and stuff. Uh, don't you guys fret if you like that content? It's not going anywhere. Um, we enjoy uh, doing it, and uh, I enjoy Ant. Give him a follow. You got a new uh, program out. Um, Nasruddin Mamov defeated Chris Curtis. Yeah, yeah, but I got I got I got away with one there. I guess that was a finally an injury on my side. I guess although the fighter I picked and bet still was injured, which like keeps that streak going. But yes, obviously the way it worked out. Um, it gave it probably gave a break obviously to Chris Curtis betters and was a really terrible beat for Imavov betters so I'm gonna keep that same energy even though I wasn't on that side like I did on Twitter hearts out to the Imavov betters there even though Chris Curtis is my guy obviously um, but yeah you know I I get that but you know it's funny it's like oh uh, yeah it's like yeah I got a break but it was still a losing night and it was a push and a losing night so I, mean, I don't know how much of a break it was but yes I'm I'm definitely not gonna be uh, that guy who's like oh whoa. I'm always this or that, but yeah, I, I guess you could consider that a break. Uh, Jasmine Jezidavisius defeated Miranda Maverick. Uh, I guess glad I've stayed away from that one. Not trying to rub it in if you had Maverick in a parlay. I like Maverick. I picked her. Uh, I totally missed this fight. Didn't go back to watch it. I was like, oh, wow, it's already ended. Uh, I just saw the result. Amen. It's a hobby beat at Arichi Long, the Mongolian murderer. Uh, I was like, oof. Thought I had a good price on that one, but I uh, guess not. Kyle the Monster Nelson with the upset. Um... I had Blake build around two. I think on a on a did I? I think I did. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I think yeah, I had that in a round robin. That was right. Um, but that yeah, that was weird. Just uh, uh, Urseg didn't watch a uh, Belbita. Yeah, that's it for that recap. All right, we'll jump over to the next recap again. I'm gonna try to get through as fast as I can. All right, a little more relevant, but again, I'm gonna try to speed through this. Of course, it was last week's card, uh, the one I wasn't able to give you guys a preview for, but again, got the analysis in the normal places. That was. Oh, what was it? UFC Vegas 75. Uh, we went 6-5-1 and one, um, in picks. 2-4 uh, and four in main card. So not too much different than the losing night in picks. And actually a worse main card picks, but we did better in betting again. That's how volatile and crazy this game is, folks. I'm keeping that same energy. 1-2 uh, and two in props. 
Um, one in known totals. Two in one in the round flyers. And boom, three and four in the round robin, baby, which produced like six, almost seven hundred dollars. So it pretty much paid off like six round robins. The way the way you do that, do that math, um, not not too shabby. Uh, and of course, you know, uh, we were one off, uh, which was uh, we'll talk about that one real, real quick. Um, which was fought, which which caused a two grand swing. But again, I'm not going to complain about it because we still ended up. What was it? Nine point uh, six seven units, I believe, uh, up for the night. Yeah, 9.67 units up, so almost a, almost a grand with a two grand uh, potential swing if we would hit that uh, that fourth round robin leg. So I'm definitely not complaining there. That was really nice. Of course, it was a Jared Cannonier defeated Marvin Vittori. Um, wow, man, uh, distance betters. No matter what decision ticket you had, you must have been sweating because it looked like it was going to end early there. Um, you know, Vittori actually hurt Cannonier, and it was um, you know it was the left hand. So again, it's it's just something that I've been shouting for like three or four years now, Cannoneer, whether it's Blokovic jabs from Orthodox, left-handed uppercuts from Reyes, you know, um, it, it, a lot of it's left hands or southpaw counters. If you want to go all the way back to Sean Jordan, which was a Czech right hook. But generally it's a left hand. And, uh, you know, I remember I tweeted like something like, uh, oh, yeah, like just like I was saying my, my preview with Aaron Bronstetter, he's hitting them with the, uh, the left hand was, was the shot to watch out for. Because I still do the preview with Aaron too, by the way where I emphasized that on a fight I had a breakdown out for. And I wrote so far, just because obviously the fight's not over, and even though I have a winning night, and I don't have a bet, and I don't care, and I, as you could see by my timeline, I was enjoying the hell out of that fight more than I expected to, and more than I perhaps should have. Um, of course, you're just going to get like the bottom feeders that like ignore the fact that you're winning and go right to it and go, that aged well, after the fact, you know. Uh, be, as if being an after the factor isn't an unoriginal, like, you know, uh, shithead move enough, you're going to use the really unoriginal, uh, that age well. And, uh, you know, of course, when you come back and, you know, uh, whether you uh, take the time to explain the logic and how they're stupid, which I didn't, I just hit them with a W uh, that they missed. Uh, of course, they never re respond to that, you know, they just they just got to have the, the negative stuff out there. So, I don't know, man, like, I've been so busy, it's just funny to, like, to get a reminder, I'm like, oh yeah, there's, like, still, like, people that are, like, crying about me for whatever reason. I don't know, but uh, I'm going to keep cashing some checks, and hopefully you guys are doing the same, because it's a crazy world out there, man. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm wishing y'all nothing but the best. There's enough hate out there. We, we don't need to add to that. Uh, Armin Saryukin defeated Joaquim Silva via TKO. Round three. Uh, too bad I didn't put the round three, right? That, that probably would have been better in hindsight, but I laid the chalk already. Um And uh, it wasn't, you know, I, I laid the chalk already on the KO, uh, which came through. Uh, grounded pound again noting these things or if you want to play over and uh, unders you know putting these notes in the technical details applying the actual analysis to people betting and it continues to come through um, I took over best bets uh, a slot cover for my guy Sean last week and I'll be doing it for this week uh, hopefully I'll do better because uh, we'll get to that bet next that welched but I hit my what my umpteenth fucking round prop ever with the prop squad how many this year alone Killing it there, more than paying off my rent there. And again, even w during the depths and shallows, my co-main events have quietly been winning more than they've been losing. And that trend more than obviously continues. So again, no one's gonna no one's gonna mention that. No one's gonna mention that, right? Right? Of course, of course. No, no, you know, no one's gonna mention that the bets are free too. 
uh, on, on a free platform for you guys, of course, of course. But uh, but yeah, uh, Armin Petrosian defeated Christian Leroy Duncan. This one sucked because uh, not just because uh, this was the two grand swing. If uh, you know, I, I took a shot on Duncan by TKO, but because um, this one didn't surprise me. And you know me, I hate being I, I you know you know contrarian Dan Tom. You know, uh, just like I get you know get accused of, of taking the contrarian side, but like I, I don't know. I'll admit to that. Uh, as far as like, yeah, you guys know me like uh, athletic opportunist. I love fading the crap out of those guys over more experienced dudes. Petrosian didn't have that much more experience. I came in looking at Petrosian actually as the best bet because I was like, you could just justify it, you know, as a dog, the price movement, certain things. You could probably already justify it, but you know me. I got to go and look into the weeds, and sometimes that produces stuff. In fact, it produced a lot of stuff on this card, so I'm not complaining. But I also got to keep that same energy and criticize myself where uh, it definitely deserves to be. And also just a lesson that I think we, perhaps you, could learn too in analyzing these things. You can get too lost into the weeds, right? Too lost in a speculation city. And even though left-sided strikes are actually some of my more, um, you know, we'll talk about it with uh, perhaps uh, the main event with Josh Emmett and Josh Emmett's last fight. Um, my read on left-sided strikes is probably one of my more stronger things when you look at it. My analysis, whether I'm betting on my read or not, if you're just looking at the read, is it right or not? The result, right? Um, that being said, I definitely got too sold on the left-sided strikes that I was seeing Leroy Christian Leroy Duncan land. Um, his boxing looked a lot better on the regional scenes, and I just, you know, I respect Cage Warriors, obviously, so I'm not trying to, you know... Um, overcorrect the steering wheel and be unfair to any criticisms or unfair to any praises but obviously you know even with today's ufc level opposition you still got to see him in the ufc before we really start knowing things right and at that we have to see a decent sample size right uh, we didn't get that with christian leroy duncan and he was exposed like a lot of long fighters who have a lot of flash um pretty much petrosian just pretty much needed to counter his kicks and he had him all day and uh you know, people mention like a lot of these styles, like oh, John Jones or this or that, and and there's definitely some of John Jones' imitation there. The problem is he doesn't have the clinch or the wrestling like John Jones has to fall back on. Like John Jones, especially early John Jones, and you know even John Jones, uh, you know in his in his prime and later years uh, when his boxing showed improvements from what 2017 on, right? Um, that DC rematch where you know you probably see his boxing really take a noticeable blip uh, defensively, offensively. Um, even that, like, that, that's nothing that he was really depending uh, on if he didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? And uh, even John Jones, with having those layers to fall back on and being John Jones, again, what's this? What's the thing that I always say on, on his, when I'm looking at his opponents? Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, it's who, who counters kicks, right? Uh, Gustafson, uh, his hardest fights, is people who are able to kind of consistently counter kicks. You know, uh, who was it that walked off on was it Amanda Nunes, you know? Um, with her thing, she even though she maybe not as as much because she's not usually a heavy kicker, but like Yair Rodriguez and John Jones, very similar in that where you got to counter kicks to, to to fight those guys and uh, kicking even though it's a strength of theirs, it also comes at a cost to them. So um, yeah, Duncan's uh, that you know uh, I, I don't like you know uh, using the f word. I don't even like using you know fraud. I don't even like using uh, fraudulent or whatever. The dude's young. Dude's got you know plenty of things he can build off of. Uh, you know we'll see where he goes. Uh, but I barely like to even use the word expose. That being said, I don't blame anybody using those words because uh, I feel like he, I even use the word expose, so I'll stick to it. Yeah, I feel like he got exposed there. Uh, and that was even like mid, like for the first half of the fight I was tweeting that. You kind of already saw where it was going. So I think 
by the middle of the first round, I already kind of um, kissed that bet goodbye. I was happy for all my friends, though, that cashed in the Petrosian. I should have stayed with that. That was the right side there. Pat Sabatini defeated Lucas Almeida. Gets right back on uh, track. Uh, like I thought, uh, got got the submission. Uh, that being said, I'm not going to be a uh, plan that I was like the most confident in the world. There was obviously um, some chin and bounce back things to deal with. There was the size that I already called uh, ahead of it. Well, maybe not because I didn't do the podcast. I'm not thinking I did it because I did my notes for the podcast. I didn't do the podcast. But I bet the under just in case. So that cash, the Sabatini by sub cash, that was nice. Um, Manuel Torres defeated Nicholas Mata. Uh, you know, of course, I'm a, a big Nicholas Mata fan. He's you know, uh, an extreme couture regular there. That being said, uh, yeah, this was a fight I did not play for a reason. It was a gunfight, as I wrote down. It was like you're gonna, you're just flipping a coin, right? Um, so I took the plus money there, and uh, not, not took it, picked it. Uh, didn't didn't play it, thankfully. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, Mata's okay, man. Uh, Nicholas Dalby defeated Muslim Selikov uh, by decision. Yeah, this is one one of two ways that fight was gonna go. Um, you know. Uh, I thought maybe the spin to the body kick and then maybe some of the left hooks will be live with Dalby. It was not. Um, I'm glad I left Salarkov out of the round robin, but I did take a shot, in, like a half unit shot on him by KO. That missed. Uh, Alessandro Costa defeated Jimmy Flick by TKO. Round two, baby. That's what we should have got with Charles Johnson the first time before Kerry Hatley decided to go against a career of Kumite stoppages for whatever reason and picked it right back up after that fight, of course. Fuck it, baby. You know, you, oh yeah, half a unit on that, as well as the round robin, as well as the prop squad. Thank you very much. Again, again, I'm targeting do-or-die fighters, whether I'm picking the do-or-die fighter if they're more experienced, like Pineda, over somehow biggest favorite, Tucker Lutz. Tucker Lutz. Or, uh, you know, uh, Alessandro Costa over a guy like Jimmy Flick, who's got one one good round in him, already talked about retirement. You just got to survive that first round, and you just the, the door is wide open, swinging open. It's a swinging screen door without a lock by the time run, round two comes along. You know, like Mr. Burns, it's like the uh, it's like a vault, like all the him and Smithers are doing, like the eye scan, the retinal scan, they go down the uh, pipe, and it's like all these secret doors, and by the time they get to the final room, there's just a rickety screen door leading out to the back that somebody left open. Like, ah! <laughs> like, that's what it is if you get past round one. Um, Kyung Ho Kang, uh, I'm glad I threw him, you know me, I, I love me some Kyung Ho Kang, uh, picked him against Christian Quinones, and he was plus money. Um, didn't have time to too, dig too deep. To be like, do we get Kang wrestling control? Do we get Kang submission? What's it, what's it looking like? Um, sorry, dog. Dog's there. Snoring, brownie. Jesus. Um, so I just threw Kang rounds. I just threw Kang uh, in the round robin. That hit. That was nice. Carlos Hernandez defeated Dennis Bondar. Technical decision. Happy for uh, everybody who cashed on Hernandez. I picked him. Didn't play him. It's already too exposed. Yeah, it was just that, that, that was, those are just weird calls with the head clash thing. It's just, it's a part of it, but also, you know, uh, the rules are the rules. It's one of those weird things, you know, like uh, Gabe Gonzaga tried to complain about it when he got his nose cracked from Randy. Randy did that single leg, but he came down and the head just crushed his nose, and Gabe Gonzaga couldn't get his head back in, in his into the fight after that. Um, so it sucks that Hernandez, you know, gets the finish taken away from him, but at least uh, they went to the cards for a technical decision so he doesn't lose the win or half his pay, so that's nice. Um, Teresa Bleda defeated Gabriel Fernandez. I didn't watch too much of that. I picked Fernandez. Looked like she had a couple moments, but uh, Bleda's size, you know. Um, Argetta, uh, Lawrence, no contest. Um, picked Ronnie Lawrence, and I wanted to pick Dan Argetta. I like Dan Argetta. 
So I absolutely feel for everybody who was on Dan Argetta. I think my guy Liam fights picks from uh, Liam picks fights. Uh, one of the few uh, MMA betting dudes. Uh, I may still uh, j get on here, uh, or I'm trying to get uh, still get on here. Uh, I should just get the people from Action Network on. In fact, probably that'll be good. I should make my rounds there. But uh, he had a good analysis. He's a guy who shows his work and, and gets on the mats. That's why I respect Liam. So shouts to him. Modestus, or you know, I mean, people who played our get it and get shit. But you know what I mean. Hearts out to you. Modestus Bukowskis uh, defeated Zach Paunga. I didn't watch this fight, so don't have much to say on that. All right, how do we do? 23, 45-ish uh, to end recaps. Eh, not too bad. Going to clean up the chat, and then we'll uh, get through this uh, next CAD. Um, all right, let's see. Alright. Oh, we got some we got the homies in the chat. Uh what's going on guys? What's up? Ghost Phantom. Hey Dan, I'm not as strict as Jimmy for the chat. Just be respectful. Um I got Jimmy Kudos also in the house. J Jimmy is the enforcer, baby. We love Jimmy. Pretty simple rules. Be nice, be respectful, and don't be weird. Of course the don't be weird one does doesn't apply to me, otherwise we wouldn't have a show. So I'm a constant breaker of that one, but listen to my man Jimmy Kudo. He's the enforcer. My man Ghost is also uh, an enforcer in the house, admin there. Um, James Kendrick, whether your picks hit or not, I'm always a fan. I appreciate you guys. You guys are way too kind, way too kind. Synchro Wing, important question here. Was it disrespectful of me to not think of Nunes as someone still not uh, still not a fan of due to her technical deficiencies? No, man. I mean, you could be not a fan of anybody for any reason. You don't owe anything to anybody. Um... And uh, I hear you, you know, on the uh, technical hipster argument, and I say that with a wink and a nudge, and including myself in that, by the way. But we also have to be careful and make sure that we are giving her uh, her proper due, you know. Say what you will about the weakness uh, of, of the division that she ruled. She ruled it. She went head-to-head -head with the best names in, uh, in and around her division. And... Um, <clears throat> And yeah, man, you can you can never uh, take that away from her. Rain Laminate, when do you get to this? Do you hate Josh Emmett style circling the cage and throwing overhands? Uh, you know, I've been a little slow to come. I, I don't know if I'm uh, shout out to my guy Phil McKenzie, heavy hands. I don't know if I'm uh, Phil McKenzie, uh, you know, disdain for Josh Emmett, <clears throat> which I think Phil's come around too. But I've definitely come around on Emmett, <clears throat> and even though I bet and picked and I'm proud of my analysis of his last fight against him, right? Um, just hearing his story, like I've said this before, I'm a real fan of the guy's story um, and, and and stuff. Just seems like a real good dude. Uh, and, you know, shoot, if you guys didn't see my, my pick already on MMAJunkie.com, my in-depth is already up, especially as you're hearing this. Um, might surprise you where I end up going here. Uh, sh uh, Shortly, Rain Lamina adds, heavy hands, boys, and Jack Slack says, it's an <laughs> analyst nightmare since he has no technical depth, whereas Deporia is fun to talk about since he st sets stuff uh, up. Um, I, I, I get people's feelings on that, for sure, for sure. Um, Ghost Phantom, uh, if you were Jared Cannonier's coach, how would you help him plug up the hole of getting hit with the left hands? Uh, honestly, I don't. I, I, I don't know. It, uh, outside of uh, outside of certain drills that I'm sure striking coaches could uh, enforce better than I, but yeah, you just gotta identify it. And you know, sometimes maybe it's a vision thing. There, I did a you know, I did a vision test, and uh, these people they came to the gym and they could tell you if there's like certain spots where you have kind of blind spots and whatnot. And uh, I actually had one that they said it was from concussive blows, which is not great. Uh, but yeah, so sometimes you know, 
Sometimes there's like a legit problem there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Rio says in Truesdale, what's up, Rio? Uh, do you hope Chandler fights either Armin Sarukin or Demir Uzmagulov? I would really like that, but I don't think it'll happen. He adds two really good lightweights, all the risk and less money. Yeah, that's why I don't think it'll happen. You nailed it. Uh, I, I'd love it, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, James Kendrick, Emmett, swings wide and misses big. What type of game plan would you give to Poria in this? Faint jabs, draw it out, hit the body. Um, absolutely. And uh, also certain entries on takedowns. Um, James Kendrick adds, forgive my negativity, but I don't really, I really don't like, this will probably write another breakdown, folks. I really don't like Emmett's style. He may be a good person, but his style leaves so much to be desired. It makes me root against him a lot. Uh, yeah, man, I, I definitely found myself having those biases that I have to nip in the butt. And uh, regardless if I'm right about this pick, I'm, I can at least say I'm glad I nipped that in the butt this time around because I definitely um, ag agree, can see, slash fall trapping to what all you guys are talking about. And lastly but not least, Rain Lamina, you're a bet on a technical decision and won. That is generational wealth. Uh, technical decision? I, I should know this. Can we bet on that? I know we can bet draws. Can we bet technical decision? That's got to be, that happens less than a draw. So, I mean, i got to imagine it would be better odds uh, if there's houses that put that on there. I should know this, so apologies. Feel free to shout in the chat uh, if you know. All right, we're going to go 28-30, and let's get into it. UFC on ABC5, UFC Fight Night. Emmett versus Taporia, UFC Jacksonville. Emmett versus Taporia. Uh, of course, uh, this fight opened uh, about two to one spread, but money uh, has continued to come in on Taporia, who now seems to be capping off in the neighborhood of minus three fifty with a comeback on Josh Emmett plus two seventy five. Yeah, uh, you guys are saying it. You know, Taporia, he, he's a guy who you know I love because he works the body. Uh, he's got good wrestling, uh, excellent jujitsu. He's athletic, but can scramble like a demon. Front chokes, chains, transitions. Um, not a lot of kicks to his style. And, uh, but yeah, much more fun. Um, if you guys remember, I was excited about this guy prior to his debut coming in, uh, seeing his highlight on the, on his, on his brave highlight. Um, uh, that fight I believe was against a taller gentleman who hits the same shot that both, I mean, even though he's not tall, Bryce Mitchell hits it not as emphatically, but as well as, uh, both the other fighter would be, uh, Jai Herbert, um, Southpaw kicks. Uh, because again, death taxes and wrestle boxers dipping in a southpaw kicks, uh, which also fits Josh Emmett. Hence my last breakdown of him dipping in a southpaw kicks, particularly to the body, is where I saw it being particularly effective. It was going to be a body shot KO. Uh, didn't quite get the body shot KO despite trying to. Rodriguez did because uh, again, you dip orthodox, you're dipping into that left side. So whether it's a left power kick from southpaw or Brandon Moreno switch kick little off the lead there. Um, that's pretty potent. It's pretty damn potent. So these guys share that weakness, which is interesting, right? More head kicks versus Taporia. Uh, more uh, body kicks versus Emmett. But both are, are kind of there, vice versa. I also noticed uh, left hands, as well as right hand counters. Just because Taporia, he'll do, he'll faint and stuff. But And he, he's almost, like I was talking to uh, Fenyo about this. He's, he's like athletic, and he has good eyes and exchanges, and he has good responses, and he has good... Uh, technical acumen, but the problem is Taporia knows it. Uh, the problem is, it's not that much that he knows it, but he's really, really confident in it, and you should be confident as a fighter, so it sounds like a bad correction on me. A bad descriptor, perhaps. But, what I mean by that is, he's almost too confident. 
you know, and you see guys just landing shots they shouldn't. Even like uh, you look at Damon Jackson again, another tall guy, right? And I know he's not facing a tall guy here in Emmett, although Emmett's got some uh, you know deceptively long arms for his build, but. Not even so much the build. You just go look at, at, at that first minute and 30 with, uh, I think, in Damon Jackson versus Ilya Taporia. And it's just... I'm just picturing Josh Emmett in his stead there instead. And just he's just right there for the counters, right there for the, the, the splinting, blitzing right hand. Like, all of it's right there. You see it in a succession. You see Damon Jackson successfully counter some of Taporia's best stuff. And then you see him chase him back out and follow him out of the pocket because Taporia will faint. Boom, explode. He'll try to punch with you. He'll try to crash crash counter um and he's got his follow-ups that are beautiful in tow right but when he gets out of the pocket he thinks he's safe and he's not he's not the biggest guy he's fast he's athletic but it, you can only jump so far back out of the way you know um his reach is only so long he's only so so tall he's only so you know dynamics he's he's not a big featherweight even though he has some hard time making the weight. He used to actually try to fight at bantamweight. He has, he he had a, I think a cage warriors bantamweight title. I want to say, uh, but he missed the weight badly. He only got to like one thirty nine. Still won, uh, but obviously that wasn't his weight. But you can you know, uh, he's a dense guy. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure he's disciplined. He'll he'll make it. But um, you know, I I do wonder what he looks like in later rounds. Does he gas out or does he a guy or is he a guy that kind of has to fight in pockets to recoup? kind of like an Aldo, you know, that athletic uh, structure. Um, Emmett, you know, he, he is a guy who we've seen him tire early on up a division in real wrestling heavy exchanges. Um, I don't think he's going to be doing that to tire himself out because he doesn't seem to want to do that to maybe not tire himself out. And he has pretty good dictation of wrestling traffic in a lot of his fights. Emmett, uh, also, I'm sure he's got to know as confident as Emmett is. He, he's got to know he's in trouble if he grapples with Taporia. Poria is the deserving favorite. He's more ways to win this fight. I won't be surprised if he knocked him out. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the body because that's there. You think, oh, Dan, you love Taporia. You love left hooks to the liver. You called the body shot to Emmett. You should be picking Taporia by body shot, right? Maybe even by club and sub because he's got the front headlock stuff. You know, we saw Emmett when he was hurt to the body. He goes and shoots right into a triangle choke. Like, oh, Taporia will wrap him up all day. Like, yes, yeah, that, that, that absolutely could happen. But I don't think we're that too far off. Uh, again, at the end of the day, it's a two-way street. So I don't think we're too far off from the other thing happening either. Not a club and sub by Emmett, of course. But I'm just talking about a knockout. Because Taporia will faint and he will jab. And it's actually pretty underrated and really fast when he does. But a lot of it is a jab to set up a hook. A jab to set up a cross, which again, his hook is there. Whether he's crash countering, cross countering coming forward he is hard wired to come back with that left hook to the liver or to the head i don't like that i don't like hooking with a guy like emmett you know you see the the, the rick lamas uh flashback in our head right where they're just hooking boom and you see what you know emmett's does and um and the fact that again uh not just left-sided strike or not just left kicks or head kicks but um Southpaw crosses like Southpaws were able to hit him with left hands a lot. Even even uh, Bryce Mitchell, who you know again didn't have the most pop on his shots, but you know he was he was popping him with that left hand as well as you know slipping a head kick through because again, Tapuria is constantly dipping into that side, and 
Emmett's got that thing where everyone is always afraid of the right hand. Like, he knew how to not just throw forward with the right hand, but he was actually, like, you know, you go back to, like, his regional fights against Christos Yagos, UFC-level guys on the regional Sacktown scene. Like, he was already walking dudes into right hands um, back back in those days, right? But kind of like Gaethje, and I'm not making an apples-for-apples apples comparison. Obviously, Emmett's style is not as technical, as cool, as good as Gaethje. But like Gaethje, in the sense of everybody was worried about the right hand, and Gaethje was left hook that really started connecting everything together. That right hand, right leg kick, that left hook really became that connecting piece. Um, and that's the same with Josh Emmett. You know, he will throw a little bit more kicks now. It's still not like a super strength of his, nor necessarily should it be, right? But that left hook is 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 money. It's there on those follow-ups too. Obviously, when you hook with them, like I just said with Rick Lamas, you can get in trouble. And more so, not just walking guys back into his right hand, but you saw it in the Shane Burgos and Calvin Cater fights. Even drops Burgos with it like twice, where he shifts and steps back like an Adesanya, where he kind of shifts and exit. You know, it, 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 it footwork people know this, but like um, if you're orthodox, your left foot's forward. It's harder to it's harder to shuffle left. You can shuffle shuffle right just a little bit flat faster. If you're southpaw, you're going to be able to shuffle to your left a little bit faster than where your lead leg is. So to alleviate that pressure and kind of you know go with a, a ring or, or more more in this case an octagon or cage, a more circular motion and feed with that, you'll see fighters kind of shift from orthodox back out to retreat to a southpaw. They've got a counter loaded as well as an escape route already halfway out the door of, right? And it will kind of do that except he'll just bounce right back in after that left hand. And you'll see him knock dudes down too. So he's got timing change-ups, different stances, uh, straight and hooking. Um, I just see those being too potent. I get it. He should be the underdog. Tapuria should be a favorite. I don't think he should be this much of a favorite. I think the odd setters had it more right with a two to one. Now we're getting close to four to one. I don't know about that. Um, but if you're going to give me over four to one on a guy that is main and only pathway to win is by knockout, because I don't see this going a decision. Um, yeah, you know what? I took a flyer on Emmett. I'm a big Taporia fan. I'll be happy. You guys know me, man. This is really out of character. I want to beat myself up for it. But uh, but yeah, man. This just feels like one of those 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 matchups. MMA is a game of matchups, and you know, um, Taporia is good, but he, you know, uh, we've seen some weaknesses, and it might not happen here. But uh, I don't think this guy's going to stay undefeated forever. I think Volk and Yair um, are some of the toughest matchups for him. But I think rounding up that top three of tough matchups for him is Emmett. We'll find out. I'm willing to find out for plus 450, Emmett by KO, one unit. That's that's my only play on this one. I might throw Emmett by KO in a round robin, seeing it, what I have left, what I like, what the house that I play at um, will let me uh, do. Uh, that was a bit long on that one, and you guys uh, seem to be interested in this fight, so I'll I'll go through uh, the last couple comments and we'll push on. Uh, but uh, then I'll save comments for the end. Um, da -da 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 Mark Fellows did a vision test at a bar last night. It was improved after every beer. No, I'm saying. Oh my gosh. I bet it did, Mark. I bet it did. Uh, Ghost Phantom. That's weird. I noticed that too, Dan, that Taporia doesn't kick a lot. He has some pretty dope uh, left hook to the body, like he'll throw to the rear hand and, and lift uh, and lift the opponent's head up. Yes, yes, he does that very good. He also sneaks some nice uppercuts in there that could have a, be a, have some sneaky play as well, by the way. Um, and I love Taporia's body jab. Yes, I wish he did just all his jab is more, to be honest, Ghost Phantom. All right, uh, co-main event time. We have... Uh, uh, Amanda Hebos minus 210 and sorry that's my, all I hear when she talks 
um, plus 165. But again, you got to put this stuff. You might not like someone's style or post fight interviews, right? <laughs> uh, but you got to be able to put those things aside, right? Um, when you're going with fights, because spoiler alert, I ended up on the damn dog here too. Uh, the fighter that I don't like against the fighter I really like. It, I, but you know, again, whether I'm a, a better or an analyst, I am both. They're not the same thing. I don't know, people online can argue what I do more. I don't really give a shit anymore. The point is, both those things. The common thread is, you gotta be able to not turn coat, you know, that fast. That that's a mean way of saying it. Because it's not personal here, but you know what I mean. You you got to be able to put that stuff aside and just look at the matchups for what they are. You know, forget the winning streak. Who's hot? Who's wearing the new thing from the mall? You know, this isn't this isn't junior high. Um, MMA is a game of matchups and volatility. So I always analyze the matchups and try to plan for the volatility as best I can. It's the best, really, you can do. Uh, this fight, yeah, this fight feels like another, um, there's a couple fights on here that feel like this, and, um, that's why I took some, uh, some totals, or, uh, in this case, I actually took fight doesn't go the distance. I feel like it's either a submission for Hebas or a knockout for Barber, uh, but here's how I'm going to attack it, uh, because, basically, I know Hebas hasn't really gotten to her submission, she's got a bunch of different ones from, like, Kimura's, arm bars, knee bars, I think she's got a rear naked choke on there, which, um, be interesting too if uh, she can get Barbara to scramble because Barbara when she does scramble will give her back and she usually is not great about it she just kind of athletes her way up so she can be hard to control in that sense although if you actually not just look at the stats but go back and watch some fights there are fights where she'll get taken down and not get back up you know she doesn't have really good under she'll go for like funky things where she try to trap her wrist and elbow it's like the stupidest style. like I just get so frustrated watching Barbara's style I am just like, why am I picking and betting on this girl? This is the stupidest style. Um, I usually don't pick her. I definitely usually don't bet on her. So this is a really, again, this is a really weird a weird fit for me, folks. So we'll, we'll see here. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, <clears throat> I can complain all I want. And uh, that, and it really doesn't matter now, you know. Um, uh, Miranda, you know, bless her. She's got, you know, she. She's got her own stuff to worry about. You know, you can't be crying about that decision or whatever. But, you know, I, I will reference it in the sense of, like, yeah, you know, that's one of the decisions I'll reference as far as, like, bad decisions. And she definitely is one of those styles where it's just, like, you know, like like the Dern Torres. But, like, 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 like Dern, it's not as much as you'd like. It's not as much as it's advertised. It's not as much as expected. But there are improvements being made. And regardless of what you feel, you have to tip your cap and acknowledge those and Barbara's been making those since that Team Alpha male. She's, you know, uh, really kind of harnessing on her power, not punching and beating up the air so badly, like we saw in some of those initial fights, like with uh, Grasso, uh, her last loss, right? And, and before that, um, in her air quote, some rare quote wins, right? Um, she's actually sitting down. She's fighting primarily at a southpaw, and she's actually really sitting down on that left cross, and which has always been her best best punch. And her obviously her rear her, her, her rear kicks and crosses are obviously you know her most powerful punches. But what I see being extra potent in this fight is that she's much better at using a checking right hook. Um, she's kind of always kind of had that feel, maybe from the karate days. You know, um, we'll talk about that in the Southpaw episode. You'll hear Mingy Finn. You'll probably talk about that. But um, but she doesn't really use the checking jab. Uh, she more of just like a wing a wing slop hook. But it, but it hurts obviously, right? And again, I can complain about her style all I. All, all, all I want, but uh, it scores well with the judges, and it actually is impactful. She is swinging with power, and she's getting better how to learn and again harness that power. 
Um, <clears throat> I really do hope Team Alpha Male is helping on her underhook getups because they just seem really vacant for her, which is a really bad sign. Ridiculously bad sign. Um, but at the same time, maybe she could athlete her way out of things, you know? Hibas um, isn't the biggest. She doesn't even seem that big for strawweight, to be honest, but uh, definitely for this weight class. Um, Barber, which is really weird. She sounds almost a little more mature, and I like where her head's at, even though it's still kind of, it's very Barber-like. But she's, you know, like, I, I like the meanness that she's coming in with. She's like, you know, I, I moved to this division, and I'm not going back. Uh, she's still teetering, and I'm going to send her a message. I'm like, okay, all right. Um, and Rebus, you know, her chin, right? We see it, Pollyanna Viana on the regionals. It was already a worry coming in. Uh, and we've seen her rock since then, even in fights that she's won. I think even Verna, Verna Genji Gen, uh, Drobo uh, rocked her. Um, and then she was rocked by Vivi, I believe, too, which, you know, people on Vivi like myself was like, hey, you're plus 100, there we go. And then I know Vivi tires, but, uh, man, uh, Hibas really, between that and then, like, Hibas uh, getting her own knockdown, which was actually a checking, it was ugly, too, but she just, again, it goes to show even an uglier from a not as powerful fighter, a fighter comes in wild without great defense, a la Amanda Hibas. Um, or in this case, Hibas doing it to Araujo. Uh, it really, again, and I just talked about this, I know it's not out yet, but you guys will hear me talk about this. Fenyo, there was nothing more, both frustrating and can catch you by surprise, than a checking right hand. Which is another reason why I hate that counters aren't scored, clean counters, clean shots, because... I think we all agree the shots that hurt you the most are the ones you don't see, right? Even if they're ugly and sloppy sometimes, unfortunately. But that's true. Counters are good. Um, <clears throat> that being said, uh, even though Hibas has shown some offensive improvements, and it's it's good. It's like it's almost like her her positivity uh, hasn't like uh, swayed her from uh, not just like getting back in to the octagon, but like continuing to strike and improve her striking. Like she actually made improvements in her striking after her second official knockout loss to uh, Marina Marina Rodriguez, right? And she really likes those catch and pitch counters. And she really has a good flow to her. Like she understands a nice striking flow, will attach kicks at the appropriate times. Like she's getting it. The problem is she still fights with a low guard and her defense is still really poor. It's both her guard and her reaction. She just gets caught staring out in range. She gets caught coming in. Um, pretty much, unless she's able to really get a true beat and a real catch on it, or is coming forward being the initiator, or she can still be countered, mind you, um, she's there to be hit. And I just, I can't, I can't not see this, you know, from round one to, to round three, um, the knockout being on the table. Now, if her and her camp comes in with a good game plan, uh, they can get Barber down for as good as Barber is in the clinch. Uh, Hibas is obviously not just a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but also a Judo black belt. Has some good foot sweeps. She has a decent level change, too, in the open. Um, although I think she's really going to have to time it well to catch Barber with it because of the athleticism and the fact that she doesn't generally set it up with punches that well. She'll kind of just shoot right into it. She's really fast and athletic, but um, again... Not a set, a lot of setup, or not not a lot of size to set it up or back it up. So I don't know how much I would count on those, but I would love if Amanda Hebos won. I'm surprised that I'm not surprised that she's favored. I'm surprised that the line's widening in her favor. Uh, I feel like this should be close to a pick'em, no matter who you like. Um, I'm gonna pick Barber by knockout. I played fight doesn't go the distance at plus 155 for one unit, but in case it does go the distance again. I can either continue to complain about certain styles that I don't like, 
Uh, I can continue to complain about like decisions that have already been rendered, or I can complain, or I can complain about how nobody gets the trends that I've been calling, or I can fucking act on these goddamn trends ahead of it, goddamn it, and plan for the future. Uh, and that's what I'm going to try to do here. If it does somehow go to decision, I'm going to assume that uh, Hebas um, sold out, wasn't able to get a submission, obviously, because it went to decision, and the judges are going to favor the more impactful striker. And as dumb and I'm. You know, not gonna use the R word as Macy style can be, especially from bottom. She will do stuff that the judges and optically the Gen Pop favor and react to. So I also played Barbara at plus one sixty eight. I think she opened at plus one fifteen or plus one twenty. So I mean, you're getting the market value there for what that's worth. You're already on the dog side of what should be a close fight. You don't really have to justify a play on Barbara as much as I or you may not dig her style. Um, but yeah, plus 168 to kick for coverage. So basically, if Barber wins by knockout, somehow she submits her, um, we go, we take over three units in. If Barber doesn't and she wins by decision, um, we still clear over a unit. If Amanda Hebos submits Barber or somehow even knocks her out for whatever reason, uh, we still clear over a unit. Uh, the only way we get F tier, knock on wood, is if Amanda Hebos wins a decision. Then we lose two units. But, but you know what? I, I like I like having multiple angles to clear uh, over a unit and having a nice solid angle to get over three units possibly. Uh, and that's net, not gross. So, um, yeah. Basie Barber, plus 168 one unit. Barber Rebus does not go the distance, plus 155 one unit. All right. Um... For whatever reason, they got to put the, the heavyweight fight on here. Of course, Justin Taffa, minus 185. Austin Lane, plus 150. You know, McMaynard, he loves them heavyweight fights, man, on the main cards. Uh, death taxes, UFC trying to force feed us heavyweight fights on fight night cards. And it's on ABC, so they're going to play, like, in all the tropes. And Austin Lane played football. You know you know how us Americans are about football. Beer, pizza, wings, football. And I'm going to piss off all my friends who play and love football. I love you guys. I don't have anything against you guys. I don't have anything against football. You guys know where I'm going with this. It's that every fucking, every fucking Yahoo who put his hand on the pigskin, we treat him like he's got the fucking golden cock or something coming in here. When Brendan fucking Schaub has been the best guy who's had a cup of coffee playing football that's fought in the octagon. Can we fucking give it a rest? Can we, can we fucking, this guy's not even a favorite. Alright, they didn't even fool the odds makers, alright? Let's, can, can we, can, alright, whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm taking Justin Toffa by knockout. I don't think, I don't know if there's any good lines on here or anything worth. I'm, I'm not going to touch this fight out of respect for myself. Um, yeah, Justin Toffa by knockout. Um, I actually watched some tape on this fight too. It's not even worth talking about. I am barely going to write it. I'm just going to trash probably the matchmakers or something. Um, Gabriel Santos minus 225. David Onama plus 180. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad to see the odds makers, you know, do what's right. They opened them at a two to one. Money kind of coming in. Seems like a parlay piece. Um, one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, I'm probably going to be uh, oh, not overexposed, but more exposed than I'd like if I would. And I'm not a big parlay guy, so I probably won't be doing any parlays. But I did. Um, and for that reason, which is why uh, I did take Santos here um, inside the distance, plus 120, one unit. I wanted to take sub, um, and I got a good line for sub plus 260, a decent line, I should say. 
Um, but that's in the house that I'm going to round robin. So I'm going to use Santos by sub for my round robin. And I got Santos inside the distance plus 120. Um, basically, I think... I think it's I think Onama going to Factory X Muay Thai is a good fit for him. I'm a big fan of that gym and I'm a big big fan of Mark Montoya. So I think long term, we'll have to see of course. I don't know. Uh, they don't know. Uh, if they don't know, I don't know. We'll have to see of course, but I do think that's a good bet. It's a great gym. Excuse me. That being said, um and kind of like with the Taporia thing too, like I think that's good that he's with Henry Hooft. I didn't touch on that, right? And maybe that'll bring in more kicks, more fundamentals. Uh, not that you know his fundamentals are bad, but just kind of straighten him out so he's not so he's not too re re wrestle boxery. Maybe a little more touch kickboxy, you know, maybe you know a little bit more balance to you know a lot more balance to his combinations, which will keep his head from just the the constant constant dips right but again it always takes an adjustment period right with any camp and even Henry Hoof one of the most hailed acclaimed coaches what everybody say about him you need time with him right to see that um, so back to this fight you got Onama you know with the shakeup with the James Krause thing uh, that was one of the more highlighted fights was his last one um, another co-main I wasn't on co-main event duty then but another co-main event I picked right another dog by the way Nate Landwer we cashed on him two times in a row. We know we knew when to jump off the train, right? But that was one where we were on the train. That was good. Um, I'm pretty good about Nate Landwehr so far, actually. <laughs> like uh, minus, I think maybe his first fight. <laughs> I think we all kind of ate shit on that one against uh, Duhino's brother Burns. But yeah, um, on Onama. Uh, yeah, like so he's he's having to do that shift, which is like not great, right? And. Um, there's a lot of talent and potential. I don't disagree with people who see that, but I also felt like, you know, the expectation, you know, if we look at the odds and stuff and certain things was a little too much, which is part of the reason why I took that land where shot, you know. Um, the dude's really tough, but he is able to be hurt. He's able to be put in bad positions that can lead to submissions. You know, you saw Landwehr almost kind of wrap him up, even though he was just kind of messing with his submission prowess at that point of his career, and he's still not some game over guy there, right? Um... You see, and it's because you know Onama just—he's really confident, and he'll do—he'll bait submissions to kind of get out and scrambles. And I do that same game too, so I see what he's doing. I'm not hating on it, but it's dangerous. You know, maybe against literal wild men who made their names on the regional scene for being wild men, like Nate Landwer or Mason Jones. And yeah, Jones does have a couple submission wins, and he is a judo black belt. But he's not a submission specialist, man. Um, you know, and even he almost got the rear naked choke a couple times. He was just kind of wilding out himself. I believe that fight might have even been put together on kind of short notice. Like both guys were kind of just kind of wilding out there, right? Like he hasn't faced uh, a legit clean submission guy. Now Santos, he isn't even technically a black belt, but he is a he is a legit brown belt though. You know, and and again, black belts, smack belts. It's more it's more about their style. You look at you look at his style, and he, it's really tight. Um, he wasn't able to. Uh, get Lerone Murphy out of there but Lerone Murphy trains with uh, again some really underrated grapplers uh, from Leon Edwards camp Arnold Allen's camp you know uh, and you know Lerone Murphy's another guy many of many are high on much more experience uh, than Santos uh, and Onama um, and he almost had him sub submitted dead to rights a couple times even though the you'll hear the commentators uh, were given the stats crap because the stats didn't count it again 
something I always say. It's, it's I love I, lo- I love seeing seeing people realize that and realize that's like yeah 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 the stat no the, the commentators know it they just they just know they're not supposed to give for broadcast reasons they can't shit on the broadcast even though the stats are wrong. So I feel for the commentators there. But yeah, man, um, I just think like you're gonna test your luck too much. I, I think it's gonna run out. And also body kicks like uh, Onama. If you look at it like not okay, he's tough and he hasn't been stopped or whatever this or that. But if you look at it. There's four times that fight could have and probably should have been stopped. Um, in the second round, there's a time. In between rounds, it definitely should have probably been stopped there. Um, but, of course, uh, you know, the James Cross betting scandal, we all know what happened there. And uh, we can all speculate uh, and are sadly kind of encouraged to speculate on that one, right, to a certain extent. Um, should have been stopped. Commentators are even talking about it. And then there's multiple points where he literally drops to his knees and, and it could have been a stoppage, and he drops to the floor. Um, but Nate Landward just decides to get up and walk away and let him up every time he drops somewhere. He's ready to kind of give up. And he does it so much that Onama starts getting the illusion that he's back in the fight. And he's actually like getting hyped up um, toward the end, even though he almost got finished, literally, and could have gotten finished three times in that round. So, you know, it's like, it's perspective. It's like, oh, he's tough for getting through. And he even rallied, you know. You could really silver line it if you want to, right? Or, or you could look at it, it's like, dude, this guy should have been stopped. He was being thrown out there. Like, even that was another part part of the reason. I was like, you know, it, people are already speculating with the James Krause thing, foul play. How much does he have his fighter's best interest in mind? You know, like sending David Onama because it was like a quick turnaround, you know, because he had all these fights in a row. That was another reason why I picked Landwehr against him. And yes, now he's got the breaks, so now he's rested. But like, man, wars like that take it out of you. How many times have you seen a war like that? from the most durable fighter who's never shown a problem and then they show up the next time and then maybe it's not like for the rest of their career but they finally get stopped right or even when it's like oh you know uh, oh well it's been like almost a year over a year or it's, it's been a while right almost a year it's like well wasn't that the case with Stipe and DC or whatever remember everyone's like oh well the only one when DC knocked him out in the first fight everybody was like oh no it was a, he was still carrying the damage from Ninganu like so I obviously don't, it's a little woo-woo, it's a little speculation city for me to go too far deep into, but I'm just saying if you're going to keep that same energy and do it for that, you know, this could be another one of those situations, right? Um, so again, there's just a lot of things, and also you look at it, what I was going to say too is to the body, right? Like uh, Onama gets hurt to the body, it, I'm thinking he actually gets hurt to the body in the beginning of the Benitez fight, because Benitez lands clean. And not that Onama's not an action-fighting wild man or isn't urgent. He is. But you see, like, a double intensity, and he lowers down and really just starts blitzing forward. And because he blitzed forward, he actually starts opening himself up to more Gabriel Benitez uh, shots. It's one of those Gabriel Benitez things where he always has been underrated. He's one of my favorite tough Latam guys. And even in later in his career where he's losing in the first round by knockout, like or, or like Arnold Allen or these other fights, like, was it Sadiq Yusuf? I forget. But the point is, you go look at these fights where he's lost early, he actually has moments where he almost finishes the guy first. You, you forget that. Um, and it was almost like he woke up uh, Onama, and Onama just kind of punched through the pain and, and him being rocked and ended up knocking out Benitez. But Benitez was fucking him up that, that majority of that round. You know, you forget that. And when rewatching uh, the Landwehr fight, not just fun, not just it could have been stopped, but where the language changed, and especially not even, you know, from general temp of the fight to citing actual moments, 
if you look at what it is, it's actually knees to the body and body shots. That was really fucking Onama up. And even DC um, notes it. And at one point in the broadcast, he goes, you know, if Nate Lamb were actually just throws a body kick right now, this could be all over. You know, again, wait, wait, how? how? David Onama showing he's so tough. He's taking all these shots to the head. Why, why could one body kick be? Because fighters know how much that shit hurts. DC's been kicked in the body against short notice old man Anderson Silva and was like, fuck that. It's the hardest I've ever been kicked. Um, again, it's the fighters who have actually been in there who dread the body shots. I wonder why. I wonder why. And Gabriel Santos, even though he lists himself as orthodox, a lot of these Evolu Tai guys, um, he's been training a lot at Atos Jiu-Jitsu, even getting some uh, working with uh, wrestler Jiu-Jitsu guys like Hayoni Barcelos, which, again, bodes well if you're if you maybe you're going to play submission uh, like I am or inside the distance, right? But uh, he also, even though he lists himself uh, orthodox, Santos fights a lot from Southpaw, like a lot of Evolu Tai guys. And uh, I forgot to mention that. We were talking about like Southpaw camps on the, the podcast that's going to come out. And uh, Evolu Tai is one of the uh, camps that pr- produced some good Southpaws too as well. You know, you got um, Masa Randuba, Francisco Trinaldo. Uh, you got, uh, what's that Bellator guy who was a middleweight champ? Uh, Rafael Carvalho. Um, you got this guy Santos. We'll talk about Bruno Silva, who's another orthodox guy who likes to primarily fight out of Southpaw. They'll list himself orthodox. We'll talk about him next. But yeah, I'm going to go with Santos here. Um, inside the distance, just because you're still getting plus money. And he's got liver shots. Speaking of liver shots, you guys know I love the liver shots and body shots. He's got those stoppages. Again, Onama's tough. But again, what, how do you stop the tough guys with their chin? It's the body. And that's not even just theory or general theory. I just cited exact examples that a tough guy like Onama, perhaps that body is the difference. He's a big guy. He's only getting older. Those weight cuts. This is down at 145. He fights at both weight classes, but 145, ooh. Um, He's a big boy for that weight, and your body is real weak when you cut that weight, almost more than your chin, or just as much, if not, uh, for the hypothetical compromise. Comp- uh, compromisation there as I'm making up fucking words. Uh, let's go to the next fight. Um, we got Brendan Allen minus 200, Bruno Blendado Silva plus 165. Um, they're giving Bruno some respect here. This line hasn't widened, which kind of surprised me, but then I looked into it and said, yeah, no, I get it. It's a, it's a tricky fight to call. I think Brendan Allen obviously deserves to be favored. He is not fighting on short notice. Uh, I'm not sure how short notice Bruno Silva is fighting. I believe it's uh, it's not like a, a, on a week or two. He's had a few weeks in this. He looks like he's in great shape on the Instagram. Um, it wasn't too short notice uh, or anything like that. They did give him the new contract, which kind of worries me. But it wasn't like Jacare Souza, Robert Whitaker, where they surprised it with him on fight week. And he kind of got that adrenaline dump. It was like... Again, this wasn't that short notice. This was at the beginning slash after his last fight against uh, Brad Tavares, um, my guy. Uh, but uh, Brendan Allen, y- you look at it, um, he was supposed to fight Jack Hermanson. I-, I even think they were talking about like a headliner spot. He was w- looking for a headliner, looking for five rounds, looking for a big name, not fighting behind, chip on the shoulder, putting some wins together. Um and then you hear him, and he, you know, he was already in a long camp, and was like kind of waiting for that uh, Hermanson booking. Like I would see him in the background of other people's video blogs, and he almost like was like did like an impromptu interview on someone else's video blog. So you're getting a real genuine kind of Brendan Allen, and even then he kind of seemed like antsy in camp, like frustrated, wanted the Hermanson fight to get going already. And I remember thinking like, ooh, oh okay, you know, when you talk, and again, woo woo, speculation city here when I talk about gambling terms like the letdown spot, right? Letdown spot can be a lot of things, you know, big favorites. Um, guys who looked good in a title, uh, challengers who lost their title, 
chance, but they looked good in it, and they come with all that hype, right, like a Dan Hardy. Then they get knocked out at home when they're the big favorite, right? There's a bunch of different versions of these letdown spots, but sometimes this is it too where you you want the big fight and then you get the, the dangerous guy who can who has the style to the style to beat you pretty much, right? Uh, as we saw, you know, and as I learned, it was a weird fight with Muniz. Um, you know, uh, again, uh, uh, that was one of those fights where it was like last time where I had I had all three round robins, submission, 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 and it would have been another like two grand swing. Um, and and I, I you know if I just had Muniz who on paper was the best submission fighter, even the commentary is like, oh, be careful what you wish for, Brandon Allen, right? And uh, of course, the best submission fighter on the card loses by submission, and that was props to Allen. You know, um, he showed that you know. Uh, say what you will about that Jacob Malkoon fight going to decision, like, guys who grapple him generally aren't, that's not the way to beat him, right? That's not the way to beat him. It's guys who really want to scrap with him, like Chris Curtis or uh, Sean Strickland, right? Like, uh, those type of matchups are, are, are going to, you know, uh, pose some problems for him. And if you look at that fight, even as, as you know, they both kind of were awkward in that fight in the first round. But even Allen, like, he's you know, and as bad as Muniz is looking for being a grappler, he's actually like doing pretty good on the striking. Like, if a takedown goes his way in the second round, or if he just doesn't even go for the takedown, if he went for the takedowns earlier, or just kept that same energy that he ended up going with the first half of the fight with, but was just more confident in it, he was actually holding his own in, in, in a lot of the striking and throwing a lot of the same combinations the two threes, uh, two ones. Uh, three twos uh, from Southpaw that Bruno Blindado Silva throws, except Bruno much more powerful, and uh, you don't want to take too many. Whereas Allen could still kind of get away with taking them from Muniz and, and grappling back or striking back. And Allen has improved his striking as well. Um, I'll be curious if he goes to the body kicks that worked well for him against Puna. And I'm not just saying it because Puna's, you know, a guy from Extreme Couture. That was one of Puna's worst performances, right? And and you know, and 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 you know, uh, you know, uh, Puna's been having to work on, you know, uh, his own game and stuff since then too, and whatnot. But even let's just say he does go to that. I cite that, right? Because let's just say he does go to that whenever Bruno Blindado Silva's open stance. Um, Blandado Silva's a guy you don't... You hear the commentators even talking about this. He's a guy you don't want to kick blindly against or naked. He will actually counter those and make you pay. Um, when he is taken down, you know, he's got a good wizard, but when he is taken down, he's really calm. He doesn't waste a lot of energy. He puts his back to the fence, which is exactly what you want to do against a guy like Brandon Allen who's going to want to try to pancake you, pressure you, make you give your back, right? Uh, he is a brown belt, a longtime brown belt in jiu-jitsu uh, himself. So it's not like he's terrible down there or anything like that. And if in case there is a scramble, he's not bad at ending up on top as well either where he's got really good ground and pound. He's not going to be committing to the grappling. That's where guys get swept a lot because they're trying to grapple with Brendan Allen. If you sit there and, and keep a healthy posture with ground and pound like Bruno Silva likes to do when he ends up in the guard, I'm not saying he won't be swept. I'm not saying he's going to be able to control or necessarily finish Allen there. But again, he, he's not going to be doing... Um, you know, he's not going to be doing insanely stupid stuff. He's not going to be trying to play his game for what that's worth. And again, the guy's probably just a lot better than perhaps given credit for. He gets labeled off as kind of a wild brawling striker a lot. Uh, but a, a lot of craft there uh, from his camp. His camp was already going to make this trip, I imagine, because again, Gabriel Santos just before him is going out there. 
And when I was watching the Brad Tavares fight, you know, I was, I was kind of just peeking from ringside because uh, I, was, I was over in Hawaii while I was live. I was covering Bellator. Couldn't really give it my attention, obviously. But I kind of missed that those, those again, the checking right hooks from, from that southpaw. And I was like, oh, that is going to be money against um, Brandon Allen, you know. Could Brandon Allen, you know, get a submission? Absolutely. Um, so I believe it's just one of those fights where it's either Brendan Allen gets knocked out or Brendan Allen gets the submission, you know. Bruno Silva gets submitted or he gets the knockout. Um, I feel like it's going to be one of those fights there. Uh, the crowd, the short notice, the uh, the, the weird energy is going into it, right? Um, Bruno Silva seems like in great moods and spirits and shape despite taking it on shorter notice, whereas Allen is just like, I want to get past this. I'm fighting behind me again. I just, he's talking about like he wants a break. He just can't wait to just be done with this. He wants to fight less a year. He's just sick. Like, again, stuff that I kind of heard and was speculating earlier, you hear it even piled on more. And again, these are just interviews. Who knows? Uh, but again, back to that Sean Strickland fight or the Chris Curtis fight, I believe those were fights that were put together on shorter notice. I don't think Allen really likes those shorter notice fights either. So the smart pick is the rightful favorite, I'm sure, is Brandon Allen. But for a bunch of reasons, even if you don't uh, aren't, aren't picking or playing the same side as me here, you got to say this feels like a dog or pass. That being said, I'm actually going to go play the under. Uh, it's 1.5, which is nervous. But that's what my house slash most houses are offering. They're not giving you the 2.5. They know how volatile this fight is. But uh, again, most of most of these guys finishers. The majority these guys are finishers, head and shoulders. You can just do the, the old sure dog breakdown to see that. And if you dive deeper, uh, they they mostly finish under the 1.5. To be honest. Um, so uh, yeah, plus 120. I took a unit Silva Allen under. And um, I'm and I'm, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna play Silva by KO uh, in my round robin uh, in case he is the one who wins in that under situation. And even though Allen, as we've seen, uh, he can get a round three sub um, as we saw in his last fight. Well, we've seen in Bruno Silva fights, you know, whether it's uh, M1 regionals, he's scoring round four knockouts, or uh, against you know another guy who was trying to grapple him heavy, Andrew Sanchez. Um, he can get the round three knockout as well. So maybe we miss the under, and hopefully at that point we're just still rooting for Silva to get the knockout and won't have too much invested as that will be in a round robin. Um, yeah, all right. Uh, I'll try to go through the rest of this card rather fast because uh, I did study on the main card for you. I didn't really do too much study on the rest of it. Um, just some breeze through stuff, interviews and stuff like that, not hardcore tape study. Uh, Neil Magny minus 175, Phil Rowe plus 145. So again, interviews are interviews, and uh, this line's starting to look where it was. I feel like Magny, if you got him around the minus 138, I actually wouldn't have minded that, you know. Anywhere like minus 145 or under, I feel like would have been a, a, a fine play. Even minus 150, that's my typical playable chalk line, so I'll, just, I'll, I'll stay consistent with that number. Um, that being said, you know, I really like Phil Rowe. Um, it's it's going to be like a mirror match in the sense of like they're both uh, long dudes, but like also they both like uh, the Damian Maya single leg getup. And like they, they have a lot of the same moves they do when they're on the bottom. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, the better wrestler, MMA wrestler, is Magny. So that's going to be interesting if he can maybe play it top side, stay out of some Phil Rowe submissions, and put a, just a, a veteran pacing on him. Uh, Magny was a guy that I was been saying he's been looking more and more shot, which is why I've either been picking against him and or very, very, very reluctantly picking him. Um, and I still suspect that. That being said, he did say some things about his last fight 
or his last recent stretch, I should say, maybe his last fight, fight and a half, however you want to decipher that. It's not like he was going through some personal stuff, man. We've all been through stuff. It's life, man, right? You know, I don't know what he's going through, but I can imagine. I'm sure you can imagine. And, uh, and man, it's just like, you know, uh, whether you're going through legit stuff or like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm no, uh, I've never been shy of it. I'm somebody who's like biologically struggled with, uh, depression and a bunch of other stuff under my biological umbrella. Sometimes there's no good reason for it at all. And it can make like basic stuff, like, like not fun to do, you know, you're like, ugh, you kind of go through the motions, right? I can't imagine fighting, like feeling like that, right? I'm not saying Magni was depressed or what that, I'm just saying like, uh, you know, he doesn't seem a guy to really offer those excuses. But I, I'm very sympathetic, you know. I'm very sympathetic to that stuff. So, um, that aside, though, he's still not a guy I'm going to be picking confidently here. I am going to be picking him confidently. But back to the interviews. Listening to Phil Rowe a lot, man. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Like, he reached out to Magni. I think he liked Magni. I think they trained together once. But he's real vague about how he talks about that. Like, he doesn't mention it in some interviews. Some, some interviews, he mentions it. Uh, but he doesn't go into it. Um, in one interview I heard him mention, he's like, he's probably going to do what he always did to me and just try to hold me up against the fence. And I'm like, whoa. Oh. So not only did you guys go together, but what he always did to you, that sounded like a regular thing. Um, I don't know if that was just him, like, because he's, you know, and again, he's a fighter. He's 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 got a chip on his shoulder. All fighters should have that or have that. It shouldn't be weird that they have that. I'm not a, nowhere near a fighter, and I've got a fucking, ch many chips on my shoulders. Who am I, who am I to be a hater, right? I get it. I'm not. I'm not coming at the guy. I like the guy, but I don't know, man. I just I, I feel these really kind of unsteady vibes in it. I know it's just an interview. It's the fighter interview. Who knows? He's got the plus money. I like him. It's cool if he wins. But uh, feeling some emotions from Roe here, man. And uh, I, 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 I don't know. It feels like he's really talking himself into this one. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to take Magni by decision, but that's just this is just a weird fight for me. I think even if I looked into it, I'd still feel weird about it um, with a lot of these fights. At least that's what I'm going to tell myself to make myself feel less bad about not looking too crazily into it. Uh, we've got Randy Rudeboy Brown, the hot, here comes the hot step, the murderer, minus 250, Welling Terman, plus 200 on the comeback. Okay, um, yeah, Terman dropping back down to welterweight, he used to fight there before. Um, and then Randy Brown bouncing back, trying to get the bad taste out of his mouth again. Uh, I get that, man. I get that, but it's just like you know, it's like, it's like uh, you know, uh, you know, is it enough time to? It's like two things, right? It's like recovery time from the uh, the concussive blows that he took from Madalena, Madalena, right? And whenever a fighter wants to do this, I understand. And sometimes they come in and win. Sometimes they come in and lose. It's, there's no hard and fast rule to any of this stuff, right? But you know, it's like it's like, okay, so it's like it's like if Randy was getting out of a relationship, you're gonna be like, Randy, no, you want to just jump to the next thing right away. That, that's that, you know when you just get out, you're hurt, right? You're hurt, you're embarrassed, you don't feel great. All you want to do is just get back on the field, get a dub under your belt, right? Feel like a man again, right? Like we all under you. I'm putting it in terms we can all understand here, for example. But we also know, at least we should know. There is dangers to that. There is a lot of danger, you know, the, the, you know, physical to psychological, right? Um, uh, physical to psychological health, right? There, there, there are certain uh, certain dangers to, to, to going out there and chasing the dragon, right? So that's what I feel like Randy Brown is doing here. He is chasing the dragon. I'm going to pick Randy Brown because um, 
I feel like his jujitsu is good enough to survive. You know, uh, you know, we, we saw that with say what you will about Mickey Gall, but we saw that earlier in his career against Mickey Gall. He's only gotten better since then. Even a guy like Terman on top and Randy Brown as well. You know, um, just his opportunistic shots, his cooks, counters, uppercuts. He's got some knees. Uh, he's got a lot of weapons in there. It's going to be the bigger cage for him to operate in, which is big. I think Terman more lively. If we're looking at the small cage scenario. But uh, I'll go with Randy Brown. i got to imagine he's going to be some parlay pieces this week. I'm not touching this fight, but I'm just saying what it looks like to me from surface level. Uh, Loik Rajabov, plus 125. Uh, Mateusz Rambeski, minus 150. Um, Southpaw Rambeski, I'll probably go with him and his uh, wrestling. But the big question is, did he, you know, was it the uh, underestimating thing? You know, he was quick to call himself out and was disappointed as he should have been with his performance. He should have been much more, um, not that he should have gotten the finish, he just should have fought more economical. You know, it was just really, really wild. Doesn't make you uh, very confident in him as a favorite. Um, I didn't look too closely into this one, though. And uh, both fighters, I believe, their debuts were under somewhat weird circumstances. So this feels just like a big wait and see. Um, like another match coming down uh, the pike here. Um, shortly, but not next. Uh, I will take Rumbeski probably. Check me on the quick. Uh, check me on my fight day at Dan Tom MMA, where I post um, my picks and plays. Uh, we're gonna go. Uh, Tabitha Ricci, Baby Shark minus one thirty-five. Uh, Jillian Robertson plus one ten. This line really hasn't moved too much, which I get. You got two high-level grapplers. How are they gonna be on the feet? They're both still trying to flesh out their games, though they, you know, even though Robertson is much more of a sample size. Um, for improvements and experience. I still can't say when we just divvy up their striking, she's got some incredible edge or has made that much more strides than we've really seen from Ricci. Um, both are kind of head first, don't mind grappling. Jillian won't mind being from bottom, but the problem is Tabitha seems to be really good from topside, whether she's doing positional play, um, like we saw a couple fights ago, or like the fight against Jessica Penny, that armbar she was able to get on, a, on another black belt like that. Uh, did she get the arm bars? She just set up for it. I just have it in my head. I forget. Um, I have to look that up here. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Baby Shark. I'm not trying to play this fight. Uh, I like Jillian Robertson. I like plus money, so I don't blame anybody for taking that side. Um, but I'm going to go with, uh, I like me some Baby Shark. Tabitha Ricci. Oh. You see that uh, <laughs> Herb Dean uh, at the check-in station had to look away? He's like, Jesus Christ. I know. Kryptonite right there. Um, feel your herb, uh, but yeah, I mean, just not a ton of a, not a ton of experience on her side, obviously. Um, yeah, she got the armbar. I wasn't imagining that. Uh, and the fight before that was uh, Pollyanna Viana. I was confident she could stay out of her things. Uh, I think uh, Robertson is better, but uh, at least now, from an MMA standpoint, more well-rounded. She's a live dog. Be happy if she wins. Gonna pick Ricci by decision. We'll see. Um, Jalgas Jumagulov. ZZ Bottom versus Joshua Van. Uh, Joshua Van is actually um, actually wrote, uh, wrote wrote up on him on my prospects to watch in 2023. Um, real fun action fighter out of the Texas area. Um, yeah, man, uh, I, I'm really happy to see this dude. This dude. This is going to be a really fun fight. Um, it got pushed back a week, so that's actually good for Van because then he's going to have extra time there. Um, maybe, maybe means we get an even better fight. I'm still going to go with Zhaugas Jumagulov um, to take a competitive decision, which is crazy because 
he loses so arguably somewhat clear decisions because he hits the body and he counters. Uh, and Joshua Van is much more flashy and much more um, appealing to judges' eyes, but uh, Juma Gulov, the more well-rounded and more experienced, he can change gears and phases as well, fight off the back foot, pressure up on the front. He's also been getting more aggressive himself in his defense of these decisions, which makes the decisions extra upsetting that they aren't going his way because he is actually going out there and making the adjustments you'd like want to see. Um, but it's flyweight. Like, you're not going to finish everybody. You know what I'm saying? So, give me ZZ bottom by decision, but I'm so afraid to even touch his fights at this point. I'm just, like, traumatized. I am PTSD from ZZ bottom. Um, all right, next fight we got uh, Trevor Peak, minus 115. Uh, Jose Mariscal, Chepe Mariscal, minus 105. I watched this guy a, a bit on the regional scene, so I, I'm not surprised money is coming in on Chepe. This fight feels like it should be more closer to a pick -em. Um, Trevor Peak, I don't know much about him. I, I you know, he seems just an uh, Peak seems like kind of like an athletic freak there, um, a born fighter dude kind of dude. Uh, dude apparently has a lot of experience outside of the cage. Um, obviously, I didn't look too close into this one, but the line seems right as far as Pickham goes. Uh, maybe I'll lean uh, Chepe Mariscal there. I like to see the longtime regionals guys get uh, some. Uh, some love, but we'll see. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day, but I I probably won't be too invested. Neither should you be too invested, at least on what I be invested in whatever you want, but don't be too invested in my opinion on that fight. So I'm not looking too deep into it. We got Jamal Emmerer's minus 225. Jack Jenkins, how many fucking fights are on this card? Jesus Christ, 14, you fucking assholes. Um, wow, hopefully uh, my uh, AirPods don't die out here. Uh, gonna switch over and get my right one in. And hopefully we don't uh, do too much adjusting there. Take my left one out. Hopefully you guys hear me. Hopefully I fooled it without a niche, uh, without a hitch. Got a little switch of the AirPods. Um, where the fuck was I? Where the fuck was I? Oh yeah, how many goddamn fights? Uh, Jack Jenkins leg kicks versus Jamal Emmer's um, range jabs, and uh, of course he's got a solid wrestling, solid ground game, which we'll see if he changes phases to here. Um, Emmer's Hall has just been an interesting guy, man. He's been around. He's got the experience. It's like, how much of it is a victim of expectation? How much of it is just, you know, you want us to see more out of him? You want to see him turn that corner and kind of have his late Bobby Green-like kind of a late veteran resurgence, if you will. But I just don't feel him getting there. Um, I feel like Jack Jenkins is live here. I'll probably still pick Jamal Emmer's, but, man, uh, if I looked into this fight, I would definitely be interested on the Jack Jenkins side with those leg kicks that he's going to be throwing because he's going to have a big target for those leg kicks. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm real curious. What did, what did this open as and what's the movement been? Let's see. Uh, looks like Jack Jenkins. Plus 140. Oh, it's only been getting wider toward the Emmer side. Okay, so maybe... Maybe no, not, not as much interest in Jenkins. Uh, maybe I'm, you know, maybe it's just people say something, and then if I were to watch the tape, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why I'm picking Emmers. So yeah, I'll probably end up picking Emmers. We'll, we'll see if I can look into that fight too much. Um, Tatsuro Tyra minus two seventy five. Clayton Rodriguez uh, plus two ten. Ah oh, man, this is interesting. I don't think this line should be that wide. It was actually wider, and money is coming in on Clayton, which I don't blame anybody. Even at over two to one for flyweight, like it's dog or pass. Um, Especially when we're not in the small cage. I know Tyra showed some uh, more of his uh, striking. We got to see a little bit more of that. And uh, he's still young. So really curious to see how that continues to progress. But Clayson Rodriguez is deceptively kind of well-rounded too. And he, he feels like he's just on that peak of like 
just just on the cusp, I should say, of like uh, you know maybe putting it together. Uh, I admittedly didn't look into this fight as much as I want to. This fight deserves to be looked into. This fight should be on the main fucking card. Which pisses me off. But I will say, and I'm not saying this just as a cop out. But honestly, with both fighters, because of this, they're they're still fleshing out their games, and they're still so interesting. I mean, unless I was taking like a big dog shot, obviously, like I just said, I wouldn't. Um, or a dog stab, I should say, not a big shot, a stab. Um, this is a, a, another wait and see spot that I was talking about on the prelims, where maybe we're just better off waiting and seeing to see what kind of flushes out here, right? Um, so uh, yeah, uh, I'm gonna lean toward um, I'm gonna lean toward Tyra, but man, I really you know I'm a fan. Of, I've been a fan of Clayton since since, uh, since since he came onto the scene here, so we'll we'll see if he can put it together. Um, check me uh, at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day. Uh, lastly, but not leastly, Cody Brundage minus 175. Uh, Dumas, uh, Dumbass, uh, plus 145. Obviously, it's not his name. Uh, didn't look into this one. Probably won't. But going to go with Cody Brundage, man. He's been showing improvements. I know uh, didn't go his way last time. I think I took a dog shot on him last time. Um, I think he looked good until he didn't kind of a thing. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, man. Give me Brundage here. All right. How do we do on time? Before I go to a chat cleanup and a recap. 123, 23. Eh, too bad. There was just a lot to get through, folks. Um, I don't think, in my defense, I don't think I wasted too much time. And uh, had a, lot, a decent amount of analysis to give you. Uh, as I should with a later start time. So I'm going to do a chat cleanup and then we'll uh, recap picks and plays. James Kendrick, do you find Amanda Rebus and Macy Barber really annoying for how they are pushed? It really annoys me that they get positive narrative pushes when they haven't done much. Uh, I have a hard time hating on Reboss's positivity, but yeah, I, uh, you guys know I'm not, not, not the biggest Barber fan. Uh, despite being on her, uh, or playing her phrasing uh, this week. Rain Lamina, why, who do new contracts concern you? Why do new contracts concern you? I don't know, it's just like a weird thing. It's just like, well, uh, like there's the whole motive thing. Like, why are you taking this fight for the money? Are you showing up for the money? Um, and then there's also that, like... Um, I compared it to like opening your, your 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 presents early, you know. When I was a kid, I was allowed to like open one present on Christmas Eve, which was cool. But I feel like if you were to let me open like even twenty five percent, much less half of my presents, there'd be like a some motorcycle. There'd be like a a drop off there um, of excitement, you know. You're just kind of like oh, because you're building up for this one day, the holiday, and you get it a little earlier. Like if you were to open like half your presents, like three days before Christmas, you'd be like, what the, what the heck, you know, like, uh, I don't know, I just, it's one of those weird things, like, I feel like your energy kind of gets messed with, like, you know, you're, you're in fight mode, um, you should be saving your reward and dancing for, like, maybe making weight, if anything, that's the first battle, but then the, the real fight is the fight, so seeing somebody, like, uh, doing the dance and getting their contract, they're in the older stages of their career, like the Jacare, um, example, when he, before he fought Robert Whitaker that I mentioned, I remember, even though I already picked and was on Whitaker, I cited that as a specific flag on this year' podcast. And, you know, it's not why he lost, uh, you know, but, you know, it's something I look look for. Um, Synchro Wing. I really like this card except for Reboss slash Barber Comain. I know what you mean. It's a break from the mediocrity before 290, 291, and 292. Uh, my break from the mediocrity is next week. I'm still probably going to be doing some, you got to finish my Evergreen content. But I requested next week off because I I am not going to cover that uh, Strickland whoever card, and they just it it wasn't on the schedule. 
it would have been a perfect time for them to do a break and also been a perfect time for them to have, God forbid, a week to promote the biggest card of the year, one of the only big flagship tentpole events they even fucking do anymore because they just don't give a shit about anything, International Fight Week. But nope, we got to have another middleweight headliner at the fucking Apex with a bunch of people, with a bunch of matchups that, you know, uh, are, their managers are forking up guys that aren't even ready just because they want to appease the UFC and that's why we're having all these reshuffles and dropouts for fights that were already just made for a card that wasn't even supposed to fucking be there. So yeah, I'm not going to be here next week, and neither should you. <laughs> so, sorry. Rhea says in Truesdale, is there a fighter that can change their style specific to their opponent? Like Rob Whitaker, Cejudo, Holloway, a recent example, Zhang Wei Li. Um, yeah, I don't know, hard to say. I mean, like, off the top of my head, I know there are certain, like, uh, you know, you could say, like, oh, I think... You know, the, the strategy era, primes of GSP, even John Jones to a certain extent. Um, but then sometimes they're just like going into guys' strengths and it's like, is, is that crazy or genius? I don't know. It's tough, man. It's That's a tough one to answer because it's, it's not a lot of people that change their styles to specific opponents, you know. Uh, Amanda Nunes, again, hate to give her credit, but, you know, she, it's a simple but dumb change, but she, she changed her style for a specific opponent. In the... In the uh, Pena rematch, right? She went back to right back to orthodox in her next fight. So perhaps that's a relevant example. Makoto Kayogoku, you mentioned the double jab. Do you feel that the double jab is a useful tool at MMA since everyone's defense is to move backwards? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fantastic tool um, to set up your right hand just to see where their defense is. Set up your body shots, especially double jab, sit cross two to the body. I love it. Krumbopoulos Rosen, you are a southpaw, correct? Yes, I am. He says, are you a fan of the southpaw front kick to the solar plexus that Silva uses occasionally uh, when he does switch? Silva, Silva, which Silva? Is there a Silva that we talked about? Bruno Silva, oh yeah. Uh, Bruno Silva, uh, I suppose it's not really jumping out to me now, but I have seen him thrown at, you're right. And I am I am a fan of that technique in general. I practice a wide variety of teeps and front kicks. Uh, uh, lead hand stopping front kicks, uh, rear push, rear snaps to the solar plexus, a uh, bunch of different types of front kicks. I've really actually been trying to practice them really good, get my get my um, toe pull back dexterity up. Um, I'm a good guy. Can I go to English? Is a single language for me. What does chip on the shoulder mean? Chip on the shoulder means like um, when someone seems like they're really angry or agitated. You know, like they almost like they come into the room, the proverbial room, if the hypothetical room, if you will, and they just they have an energy about them. They're really upset, and if you talk to them, you that energy will continue to come off. Ah, they'll be snappy about things, even if they're not telling you why. And maybe they don't tell you why, but if they did, it would probably not playing armchair psychologist here, but it would probably be because. Um, there is something in the back of their mind um, that happened to them probably when they were young and it's kind of how they deal with certain things and since most of us don't go to therapy to deal with these things especially us those of us martial artists to fighters we will deal with things very physically aggressively uh, ways we're comfortable and know how to ways that are we find comforting and uh, we'll almost use it as fuel, right? And we'll carry that thing that bothers us. We'll carry it around. It's like a chip on the shoulder. I gotta actually read where the exact etymology, where it exactly comes from. But I hope I'm doing a decent job to explain to someone who English is their second language. But 
something that bothers you psychologically. It could be even from your past. It doesn't even have to do with anything that you're upset with, but you keep it with you, whether you realize it or not, and you use it. It's a chip on your shoulder, you know? You know, a, a woman told she can't do things for a woman, right? And she becomes this big CEO, right? You're seeing a lot of women become the first woman to buy this sports team, right? This North American sports team, right? I don't know these stories of these women, but I, I'm willing to bet it's probably minus 450 odds. They're probably It's big odd, favorite odds that they were probably mistreated specifically for being a woman and told they couldn't do things specifically there for being a woman. And they're going to have that chip on their shoulder, right? Um whether it's a black athlete of, of even today still sadly because there's a lot of so much bullshit they have to deal with too especially back in the day people oh they're cocky they're boisterous they're this it's like no there's a chip there's probably a chip on their shoulder and they, they, they've earned they've earned that right they've had to go through a ton of shit you don't have to agree with it you don't have to like it but that's their chip on their shoulder I don't know if that makes sense I probably did a terrible job um Real Susan Truesdale is Jack Della Madalena a favorite of yours, Dan? I do like it. He switches to the body. Yeah, I, I, he is one of my favorites uh, right now for sure. Karambopoulos Rose and love it, Dan. Don't like middleweight main events unless Rob Whitaker or Adesanya. Most middleweight is a wasteland. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was Bruno Silva. Got you, Karambopoulos. Uh, last couple of questions here. Uh, Modesty Piedra Canelo, face of combat sports. Canelo is the man. Um, Makato Kayagoku, thank you, Dan, for explaining some of these idioms. Thank you for being patient with me. No problem. Random note. want to thank you for standing up for minority groups in MMA. Hey, always. No, it doesn't give me much fans at all, to be honest. But, hey, it's not why I do it. I'm just trying to be a decent fucking human being. All right, let's get out of here, folks. Uh, it wasn't that quick of an episode. What, an hour and a half. Uh, Going to recap. Um, taking Emmett over to Poria. Oh, my goodness. Taking... Barber over Hubas. Who the fuck am I? Taking Toff over Lane. Taking Santos over Onama. Taking Silva over Allen. Taking Magni over Rowe. Probably taking Brown over Turnman. Probably taking uh, Rabeski over Radzabov. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day. Probably taking Ricci over Robertson. Check me at Dan Tom MMA over Fight Day. Joshua Van is live. Keep a lookout for him. But you know me, probably taking ZZ Bottom over there. So check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day. Probably going to take Chepe Mariscal over Peak, but it's a pick em. Careful. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Twitter on Fight Day. Uh, probably also going to take Emmers, although, you know, uh, probably be rooting for Jank Jack Jenkins and some leg kicks there. Australia in the house. Uh, probably take Tyra over Rodriguez. That's a that's a good fight. I, I'm excited for that one. Check me at Dan Tom MMA on Fight Day to see where I go with that one, and I'll be taking Brendage over Dumas. Uh, pit at plays. Uh, I have Barber money line plus one sixty eight. Uh, one unit taking Barber Reboss doesn't go the distance. Plus one fifty five for a unit. Emmett by KO plus four fifty for a unit. Santos inside the distance plus one twenty for a unit. Silva Allen under one point five plus one twenty one unit for my round robin. I wrote Silva KO Santos sub because that's what I'm gonna want on there. Uh, since I technically didn't play those, though I played angles in relation. What will make up the other two legs? I don't know. Maybe it's a barber by KO. Maybe it is a Emmett by KO. Or maybe it's a. Yeah, it's probably going to be one of those two. We'll see. Who knows? Check me on Fight Day at Dan Tom MMA. My guy Fenyo. What's up, Fenyo in the house? Gave you some shouts earlier, sir. Um, I'm going to have that edited and dropped for Sunday listening for you guys. So uh, peep back here uh, on the same bat time, same bat place. If you're an audio listener, we'll have an audio version up. 
And of course, the audio versions always have kind of cool music that I'll, I'll throw in there sometimes relates to. I don't know if there's really a Southpaw song, because uh, the only Southpaw song is for the Southpaw Podcast. Shout out to Sam Yang and the Southpaw Podcast. Hit him from the left. I'm definitely not going to take uh, their swag, but I will definitely shout their swag and their podcast and their feed. Um, Synchroling, awesome show, Dan. Thank you, Jimmy Kudo. Really awesome show, my man. Appreciate you, Ghost Phantom. Good stuff. James Kendrick, appreciate what you do, Dan. I keep the same energy just like you. I appreciate that, man. Thank you all very much. Much love. Uh, love the Southpaw Pod. I love it too, Jimmy Kudo. And I love you guys. So all the best this weekend. Good luck on your picks and plays. And always protect your neck. <laughs>